And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look, we're all trying to get started. We're all trying to do what we can to just do it. With that, there's a lot of different things and a lot of different avenues that you can take your business and your startup down. Now, we've all heard of startup accelerators and incubators, but the real question is, is what are those? How do I find one? Which one's the right one for me? It goes on and on and on. And I've brought someone in to help demystify that. Now, before we get too far into that, I need to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Tesseract Ventures. They help companies become smarter, better connected, and more efficient through next generation robotics, 21st century software, and radically connected platforms. Visit tesseractventures.io to learn more or just scroll down and click the link in the show notes. They really do cool stuff. They make fun and interesting robots. Now, with me today, I've got Sean Flynn, and Sean is the host of the Silicon Valley podcast, he spends his days talking to famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, leaders in technology. Uh, he is in the Silicon Valley. I am in the Silicon Prairie here in the middle of Kansas, and we may talk about that a little bit. Sean also has a very lengthy and deep background as the head of incubation at the Tech Code Accelerator, and I'm going to let him pick up the story here in a few minutes. Welcome to Startup Hustle, Sean. Matt, thank you for having me on your show. I'm, I'm a huge fan. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, from the valley to the prairie, we'll see if we can cover all that space. Uh, let's just go ahead and start with a little bit about your backstory, like what you do, and even the Silicon Valley podcast, because you've had some very interesting guests so far. Yeah, so, I mean, most of my most of my work is sitting down with either service providers, venture capitalists, angel investors, and entrepreneurs, and pairing them off, seeing where... There's a need for one and demand for the other and just mix and match in that. And I was having some amazing conversations and actually some of the conversations were repeating over and over. So I thought, okay, okay, it'd be great to record these. It'd be great to make this library similar to, to what you're working on, but you got 400 episodes. I have, you know, an eighth of that and get it out there to entrepreneurs. So I started recording some episodes at actually at first I had a, a public access TV show in Mountain View where I was doing this and but public access only gets you so far. I wanted something that would go cross borders. I wanted something that would go outside the US that anyone in the world could access. So then I started a podcast and with that I just tapped into the network. Sorry, I'm not going to go into networking but uh, <laughs> but I got I got interests of some amazing people. And one thing led to another. Some of the people I've interviewed, Melody Perkins, founder of Canva, Jim McKelvey, co-founder of Square, uh, Patrick Lee, founder of Ron Tomatoes. I mean, a lot of the advantage of being in Silicon Valley is having access to some of these people. And it, they're normally just one coffee meet in a way, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, and that's cool. And yeah, last out in the Valley uh, almost a year ago at TechCrunch and 
we stopped and visited some some uh, past guests as well as people that were associated with the Launch KC Accelerator here in Kansas City, and that's a division of our Economic Development Committee. And they frequently actually pick line companies from the valley up with the prairie, and you know some of that and your and your history with. Uh, you know, with, with tech code accelerator and stuff like that, it makes for an interesting topic because I think a lot of people want to get into startup accelerators or incubators, but you know, I mean, there's, there, there's a, they come in a lot of different shapes and forms and you know, what, what are your comments about, you know, where do you want to start when it comes to finding the right accelerator or incubator for your business? Like where do we begin? So first, actually, I may be going to your area on this road trip I'm on. I have a buddy that just moved to Wichita, Kansas from Silicon Valley. As you can guess right now, there's this huge exodus of people here that actually want a backyard. I mean, heavens forbid you have a house with more than you know a studio that all your money goes to. So I'm going to go to Wichita, Kansas. If you have time, maybe I could swing by Kansas City. In fact, I'll even introduce you to... Roger, he's a founder of Bay Angels, which got me started more or less in this whole startup ecosystem. He semi-retired and moved to Wichita, Kansas, uh, an angel investor of 20 years here in the Valley. So that's an interesting choice in Kansas. Like, you know, Kansas City's already not that big. Wichita's not exactly booming, but there is some interesting stuff that goes on there. And, you know, I've had a past guest that was with Coke Industries and their venture lab, and they're in Wichita. So... Yeah, there's a interesting, uh, much smaller than Kansas City for sure, which already isn't that big. Now, you know, now now you mentioned like an angel investor, um, an incubator, an accelerator, like when you know, and where, where's where's where is one to begin? Like you know, it's, I I'll I'll play the founder role here. Like I got an idea, man, and I and I think I'm on to something, but I don't know what to do with it. Okay, so you just got an idea. So that's actually a, a good start in the sense that you know kind of what stage you're at. So there's a lot of different, okay, first incubator accelerator, what are they? What's the difference? And then let's go into finding that accelerator. So an incubator, just think of that as a shared workspace with mentors and maybe some events. So there's no real start and end date. You're there to you outgrow that space. And normally there's more perks than just a shared workspace. Shared workspace, you rent a desk, and that's about it. Now, an accelerator normally has a start date, end date. It could be a month. It could be three months. Uh, and they expect certain milestones to be hit in that time. And normally at the very end, there's a demo day or something where they'll introduce you to investors and kind of push you off into you know, the sunset for your, for your next, next steps to go ahead. So when you're looking for an accelerator, really know what stage your company is at and what you want to get out of that accelerator. And what I mean by that is an accelerator for, you know, a round is not going to be the same accelerator that, you know, Matt had just mentioned with his ID on a napkin. Uh, the valuations are different. The mentors are going to be different. The vetting process, everything you could think of is going to be completely different for those companies. And if you're submitting your application, you know, they're just not going to look at it because you won't have the traction that these later stage companies will have that they're, that they're looking for. So say Matt came to me right now and said, Hey, Sean, I have this idea. I don't know what my next steps are. Okay. There are accelerators for that when you just have an idea. So I would ask Matt, you know, what sector is this ex your your idea in? Because if it's a, a med tech company versus um, a fintech company or that, 
you know, these accelerators, some of them are general, but normally you don't get too much out of a general accelerator. I mean, there are some online in that that won't take equity. But if you're going to give up equity in your company or, or and your time, you should really be thinking, okay, what am I going to get the maximum benefit for? You know, what am I giving up? What am I going to get? So we'll say you're a fintech company. Okay, great. Find your fintech accelerators. Now there's, once again, different stages in that. So you'd find one for a very early stage. Um, and you look into well, one, is this, is it a brand new fintech accelerator? How, how many batches have they had? Have they been around for two, three years? What have the graduates said? I, so just like you do due diligence on your angel investors, you do due diligence on your co-founders, your team, you also got to do due diligence on that accelerator program. Cause there's a lot that, you know, show up one day, close the next day and you don't get too much benefit from it. I've heard so many stories where people have, have started an accelerator, you know, a three-month accelerator, and then eight weeks in, the doors are pretty much closed, and the people are like, what What just happened? I was batch number one. This was supposed to be the magical batch where, you know, we, we, we get on that wall of fame of, you know, we were the next Google, but in reality, now you're like, oh, I've wasted eight weeks of my time, and, you know... Time is money, especially if you're excel if you're an early stage company, you don't have anything in the bank. That eight weeks can really, really put a dent in in, in the life of your business. Um, and Matt, stop me if I, I'm just going off on a tangent on anything. Well, I, I have a question for you. So, like, what would something? What would what? How do you avoid that? Because, like you mentioned, you know, there's at, at an early stage business, setbacks can be catastrophic, and you know, and and uh, one thing that I think anyone that's looking for an accelerator and incubator should know is like, there's a process you have to go through to get accepted into that. And that's going to take time too. Um, you know, so like, is there any particular like do's or don'ts that you are, that you can share with us? So like, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I think when people start an accelerator and incubator, they have the best interest in mind. But like you said, like, and I'm not familiar firsthand with something that's closed the doors halfway through, but, I mean, it takes money to run stuff. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you, if you're aware of any, uh, it, like what's a red flag or what's something, I, I, you know, like obviously some incubators and accelerators are really well known, but how do we, how do I keep, stay out of the ones I don't want to be in? So a lot of the red flags, you can, you can mitigate those by asking past graduates of the accelerator. Hey, you know, this accelerator says I'm going to get all these benefits. I'm going to get this many hours with mentors. I'm going to get this many intros to angels. I'm going to get this many intros to potential corporate partners or, or um, corporates that are doing uh, some types of projects or that. Find out from the the alumni, hey, how much of this was actually true? Was it more than what they're saying? Was it less? Was it about the same? What has been the follow-up since your graduation three months from, you know, three months from from that time, six months from then, were you introduced to this network? Is are are your class? Is it a strong alumni? What's happening? Uh, your mentors themselves, when they were working with you, how much were they actually helping you? How much were they really just kind of, you know, doing a hard sale on the side, going, "Hey, I'll give you, you know, I'm here to give you two hours a week," because that's what I told the accelerator. But you know, you can just hire me for a little bit more. My hourly rate is this, and then I can help you this much more. And that that is a common thing for for a lot of the mentors. Some accelerators they pay their mentors an hourly rate. Others, you know, give them a little equity in in the total equity pool from that batch. 
Others are just using it for lead gen, which is okay. I mean, I'm totally fine with mentors using accelerators programs for lead gen within bounds. I mean, everything should be open and honest before. So ask, you know, graduates, hey, the mentors there, what was the commitment? What was the involvement after? Did they just want, you know, other perks that they didn't mention to you? Um, also, also the the connections with angel groups, VC, micro VCs, VCs. How many, you know, partnership agreements does this, does this accelerator have? And I mean, if you're a fintech company that, going back to that example, that knows my product's going to be in these markets, do they have partnerships with groups in those markets? Do they have partnerships with banks? Do they have, I mean, the, if you ask enough questions, most of that uh, due diligence, you, you'll get the answer that, that you want. Now, if it's a first time accelerator program, that, once again, you don't have the alumni, that, that's a little tricky. Then that goes back to who's founding it, who's the backers. Is it a corporate like Verizon that's putting on this accelerator program? You know, that that's, you probably can have more confidence than this one guy that used to be an analyst for this VC fund that decided to branch off on his own that has no partners but a cool website that he, he designed and that he has everyone gets you know ten thousand dollars free credit from amazon web service for being in the accelerator program so which amazon would probably give you for free if you just ask anyway by the way um which is which is true so yeah i think that so much of what you just said comes down to like what's the intent now one of the things you mentioned uh so there's I, you know i've come across like mentoring organizations and different stuff that will disallow a direct mentor from actually doing business or being an investor with the mentee. And like, it's like strictly forbidden. And why? Uh, it's because it's an, an attempt to keep the relationship pure and not create this vested interest in doing this or doing that, which honestly, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Like I kind of don't like that in some regards. Cause if I get to know you really well and you're mentoring me and like, we're doing business, like, I mean, you know, that's consensual, you know, it's like, and, and so some of that is, is if it's, if that exists, I, I, you know, one thing that Sean said that I think is really important is you use the term accelerator and he was talking about, all right. So I think people get sometimes get hung up on like, well, are they going to give me any money? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? They're trying to accelerate your path in X, Y, and Z. So what is that? And, and look, those connections, those, and we were joking about the networking comment earlier, but you access to other people's network is powerful. Like, would you rather have $10,000 of my money or would you rather have me interested in your success? Cause the second one is more valuable. And, you know, so like, and he's right. Like where, where are they going to accelerate your progress at meeting people, having cred, doing different things? Like, you know, um, you know, one of our, our past guests and future hosts here on Startup Hustle, Roy Scott, just came out of Techstars. And that's a very well-known accelerator. And it gave him a Boy Scout badge that made it gave him an, a very investable platform, which has kept him hella busy. Um, you know, and that's but we announced Roy as one of our additional hosts. And he's like, man, I just the money's plowing in. I'm like, dude, go do with go deal with that. We'll come back. We'll tell this story after. Now I own 20% of the company. So I had a, a little bit of a vested interest in him to keeping on doing that. But but the whole thing was, is like with that particular accelerator, they 
Well, they have, they do have a vested interest. They make an, a small investment and they put themselves in a position. I like vested interest positions. And I say vested interest, meaning like if Sean is, is the accelerator and I have an idea and he's got a small piece of that, well, he has a vested interest in me being successful. And I think that that's why I see a lot of advisory roles fail. Like when there's no like real, like, what do I get out of it? Like my time's valuable. My energy is my invites. They're all valuable. So why do I care? And I think if you give people a reason to care now on the flip side of that, I would imagine you could probably get yourself in some uh, situations that aren't favorable. Have you been, have you witnessed any of that? Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that because we're trying to save save people from themselves here. So, well, I some of that. Okay, so a couple of examples uh, of situations that that I've seen people get themselves in. I mean, I know of one accelerator. I won't drop names. Where, uh, yeah, we can leave them nameless. Right? Yeah, you know, they gave three percent of equity um, for the potential of getting an investment at the end of the accelerator. The accelerator, after they did the vetting process, didn't like the company, decided not to invest the money. Um, of course, the company was like, hey, we need that money for rent. We already planned it for rent. And then, you know, it was a PR nightmare. You have people on social media just going, you know, these guys, this accelerator is fake. They owe us money. You have the accelerator commenting, well, no, in, our, in the thing, our due diligence is the accelerator process, which we gave you for the equity in your company. And the investment at the end was additional and it's clearly written here. I mean, that was a situation I saw another situation. I mean, a lot of it going back to advisors being invested, some advisors that where I, that's where I see the biggest issues um, where companies will give, you know, 0.5% of their company, maybe up to 2%, who knows? And they expect all these introductions from the advisors. They expect, expect, almost the world from them, they'll work with them for a little while. And then after time, maybe stop returning the phone call, the startup goes, Hey, you know, we gave you this money, you know, we gave it to you on day one, or the these shares, which they should have vested over a certain amount of time, which they should have had milestones or expectations, either in writing or something a little bit more formal for that advisor going, Hey, we're gonna give you, you know, say percentage of our company, it'll be 0.2 over, you know, this 10 month span. And we expect this many intros in this time. Uh, we expect, um, you know, these things from you. Other than you're an advisor, we just put you on our deck. All right. Uh, I guess a lot of it, the problems go back to the expectations not clearly being defined in advance and not having that open conversation. Yeah, I think, and I'm sitting here. That's the 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 flashing light in my head right now is is defined expectations. And you use the term vesting, like you should never be giving an accelerator or anything just like, hey, here's the ownership. Like here it is, it's as easy, it can be as easily defined as like quarterly participation, like certain things and give yourself an out. Cause I've actually run into that. I did have an advisor in something and the guy just like, I mean, he, he was, really ambitious about it up front. And, you know, sometimes people get busy and their own stuff comes up and 0.5% of a startup is not in the forefront of their, of their thought process. And so, you know, we got six, eight months in and just hadn't done anything. And we had put our, you know, we, 
I was had enough experience in life to know that we had to define some of that. So we just sent a simple letter and said, you know, this clearly isn't working out and we're exercising our option to not have this option. And that was it. It was very easy. And, and you know, but that, that good fences make good neighbors. Now, I'm the son of a son of a lawyer. So I kind of grew up with those expectations. But, you know, look, um, good contracts and good agreements cover the good and the bad. They cover what happens if things go really well and they cover what happens when things don't. If you look at any agreement that you have with an investor, with an incubator, with an accelerator, with a co-founder, an advisor, and they and you don't have both sides of that, then you haven't made a well-rounded agreement. Do 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 you agree with that? Oh, I love that. And I also really like the good fences make good neighbors. I'm going to use that term. Yeah. One. Uh, it's true, though. I mean, it's just saying I didn't make that up. I mean, that's probably been I, I've heard that my whole life, but it's true. Like, so the thing is, is like set boundaries, set expectations. And and you know what? You got to be reasonable, too, because like in your scenario, you mentioned, it's like, hey, we've got some advisor and we expect the world. Don't. Don't because what you're doing is not that person's focal point. Like you're lucky if you get a portion of these people's attention, that is what you're vesting into. And like, I mean, here's the thing is if they're worth their weight and whatever you're trading out, like, I mean, then if you really want more then you got to give more. That kind of is the way it goes. All right. So when it comes to picking an accelerator or, or an incubator, now we've got the preparation process and, oh man, I've seen some people that were clearly not prepared. Um, and I think that would be a fun, a fun thing to talk about. Now, before we get too far into that, I, you know, I, I, I want to remind you that Tesseract Ventures is a sponsor. And if you believe that there's nothing more than more human than technology, go check out what the inventors, engineers, and creatives are building over at Tesseract. From robots to flexible tech solutions for construction and beyond, the Tesseract team dream, they dream it. And they make it come to life. I mentioned these guys make some really cool robotics and stuff like that. And scroll down to the show notes and see what they're doing over there. Um, now, while they're building robots early stage, we're building pitch decks and presentations and stuff like that. What do, what do I need to do to get prepared to apply to these things? Well, I guess the first thing is if you do have co-founders to actually know everyone's position in the company. Because nothing's more embarrassing in the actual face-to-face -face interview or the video call interview when you go, okay, so you're the CEO, you're the CEO, and then the two co-founders go, no, actually, I'm the CEO. I'm the, wait, no, I'm the CEO, and they argue over who the CEO is. So have positions well-established ahead of time and have the positions, like know who you are, like your personality. The, I can't tell you the number of times I've had two engineers that hate sales, hate meeting people, hate talking, just want to build a product, and one guy goes, yeah, I'm the CEO. It's like, no, no, no. You got the CTO, maybe the CEO, but you guys need someone that goes out there and sells. You need someone that, you know, has that personality. And if that's not your personality, you, you, you got to find it. So kind of know. That group needs a third co-founder. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, know, know what you like to do, who, what your strong points are. And if it's not that, you know, be the CTO, step down, but ha have that. So first I'd say, uh, know know yourself, your positions at the company, what you plan on working on, and then to get ready for the the application process and everything, think to yourself, okay, how can I build something right now to give an investor confidence in the company? 
And what I mean by that, I mean, that confidence is going to help you get in this accelerator. It's going to help you get that first customer, or, or if you already have that first customer, future customers, how can you deliver confidence to these people? And that could be, you know, building out your advisory board. It could be getting traction. It could be doing, um, you know, building that MVP, testing it, uh, getting some, some market feedback. There's a lot to do that in that accelerating, uh, accelerator application, in that interview, that you can demonstrate to the vetting team to, to better give them confidence that you're a good fit for that next batch. Cause they might be looking at, you know, a couple hundred applications, or if this is Y Combinator, a billion applications, who knows for, you know, 10, 10 spots. Yeah. And you know, there, look, the, much like Sean said, you got to stand out and, any level of indecision or like non-description, like, okay, so I've used this as an example a lot. Um, I've had some people give me a pitch deck for their new quote .com and they want me to email them at Yahoo. And like, I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to throw that in the trash. Like that's enough right there. Like if you're not, if you're not adept enough to know that that is like, that tells me you have no tech ability. At all. You couldn't even set up an email at your own domain. And, you know, little things like that stand out. Uh, other things are, you know, okay, look, own your faults and your strengths the same way. Like, it's okay. And I think Sean will attest to this. Like, I've seen pitches that were going on out in the Valley that are like, hey, we need $5 million to, 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 to figure out if we can even get a client. And that sounds like completely illogical, but it might be a big, big, big vision. And there's people that will write checks out there for cutting edge tech, and but you got to be upfront. So, like, you know, if you're, if you're, it's okay to say we don't know, but own it. Say this is what we still need to prove because an investor or someone that's gonna that's gonna let you and get you involved with this, they want to know that you need that you know what you don't know or need to learn and that's part of the process. They get it. Like, don't be afraid to, to put that out there and be very upfront. You know, like, this is what we're good at. This is what we're not. We know we need to fix this. And this is how we think we can fix it. And if you know, you can fix it that way, that's great. If not, I mean, I think it's good to be upfront. And then I think that the main thing is, is don't, and I've heard a, a now, this was really, this was spoken, I was at the Kansas City CEO retreat uh, last year. Wow, it feels like 100 years ago. But, you know, I was listening to a VC panel and they, they basically unanimously said, don't be afraid to sell us on your big vision. And, you know, like no one wants to hear, oh, and then we'll raise $25,000 and become the biggest company on the planet. No, you won't. You know, like, say it, like speak it big, you know, go, go big, go big or go home. And, you know, some of that is, you know, that's going to help you stand out. And I think another thing too, is like what Sean said is if you don't have a pitch man or woman, get one or figure it out. Cause so many people out there are like, Hey, I'm a tech I'm a product guy and I hate sales. And, okay. Well, those are things that people say to right before they go out of business. Like, it, like a mediocre idea sold well is better than a great idea marketed and sold poorly. So, you know, and there's a, a long history of that. And, you know, so, all right. Now, let's say that I we get the attention of an incubator and accelerator. 
what can we expect next? Like, are we going to interview? Are we going to pitch? Are we going to like get voted on? Like what, I mean, what are the common, what are the common next steps? I mean, every accelerator is different, but I'd say probably the most common process is you submit your, your pitch deck, uh, possibly a short little video with that. Uh, the screening committee will look it through, evaluate it, and then have a call with the team. And if they like that call and in that call, you know, maybe 30 minutes, 15, 30s, maybe even up to an hour, depending. I mean, it's almost like initial screening for a pitch event, more or less. So they're going to ask you a bunch of questions that they want to see, you know, how confident you are. And, and just like Matt was saying, if you don't know an answer, I mean, they actually want to see you go, I don't know that, but I'll get you the answer. I'll get back to you. I mean, they want to see you're coachable. I mean, being a coachable founder is one of the things a lot of these accelerators look for because I mean, if you're not coachable, what's the point of even going through an accelerator? I mean, you're not going to get anything out of it. The accelerator is not going to get anything out of it because they know you need to be coachable for all their mentors, all their network, for everyone to help you move forward. So they want to see this. And then if you pass that, the most most uh, accelerators, the next step is then the in-person interview where maybe there's 25 companies. If it's down to 10, they'll all come in. It'll be screening with the investment committee. And then they'll just go down and they'll make that final decision for the next batch. So, and, and that's a pretty thorough vetting process. Some, some accelerators aren't that extensive. Others are even more. Uh, I mean, depending on the amount they're going to invest in you, the amount of equity, everything, they might ask you for you know past financials. They might actually really do a deep dive into some of these companies. But I would say, in general, it's going to be more pitch deck, phone call, in-person decision. You know, there's one thing, and I don't want to get too far into this episode. We didn't bring this up yet because we're talking about like how to how to get the the accelerators and incubators to pay attention. Is there a list of these things somewhere? Where did we even find them in the first place? Oh, the accelerators. Um, yeah, yeah. We should probably in our in our episode about finding an accelerator. We should probably hit on that. Sorry, we waited till the 29th minute. We just wanted to make sure you were listening. So, I mean, a good way to, to research, especially to find out the accelerator that might be a fit for you, is to go on, you know, AngelList, Crunchbase, or any of these platforms and look for companies uh, that are in your same sector and kind of look for the, you know, the badges that they're wearing, what, what accelerator they graduated from. And then you can reach out to those founders and go, hey, what was your experience with this accelerator? Do you have any tips for me? Kate, can you actually give me a warm lead, a warm intro to this accelerator? Since you've graduated, I'm sure you know someone there, even a, a mentor in that. Because, I mean, a big plus for people is if a mentor that the accelerator likes recommends a startup or, or someone on their staff. If they give you that warm, I mean, just pretty much everything in life. A warm intro helps so much more than that cold outreach. And that's a great you know, foot in the door to reach out to these companies, find out where they went through get them to intro you, you're already two steps ahead of everyone else. I mean, my answer to that is just Google. Look, like you said, you know, like, I mean, Professor Google teaches that class all day, 24 hours a day. He never closes that class. It never ends. And, you know, the thing is, is they're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. Like, I mean, just in Kansas City alone, there's I mean, I, I got double digits that for, and they exist in all shapes and forms. Like they do a lot of different things. Some of them like here, we have a thing called digital sandbox, which is like a $20,000 grant. It's not a true accelerator or incubator, but they make you go through that whole process of prep. And then you get a grant 
and you know launch KC, which is, which my my business full scale is the development partner with. Like they find a top level partner that sponsors the program and invests in six or seven companies. And they do specific things like insurance tech, health tech, clean tech, stuff like that. And it, it is important to try to find things that, you, okay, so if you're a fintech company and you're applying to be in the, the clean tech vertical, you're not getting accepted. So it's just, it's just like, you're not, it, that's not the fit for you. And then there are some things too, that are kind of just industry agnostic, um, you know, now, you know, some of this is, is going to take some time too. like, what do you think from, from announcement to choice is, is a rough expectation of what someone can expect to go through the process from application to yes or no? Uh, I mean, six to eight weeks, I would say on average, um, might be longer depend. I mean, some of these accelerators will, that run multiple batches on different sectors will say our next Oh, fintech batch will be may of 2021 and they'll have this calendar you know these are the application dates this is the the day of the accelerate you know there's quite a few others you know every quarter we release one or we have one batch and then you know two months before the next batch we start you know please submit your your applications but i would say if someone if you just got an email saying hey we're going to run the next batch six to eight weeks probably around that i mean it does yeah, and, then, and, and then and then you might actually wait a little bit to start yeah oh yeah oh yeah i mean that yeah, yeah and you might wait a little bit to start and then you got a couple months to maybe get through it and then some of it too is like be careful what you're asking for because you might get it like you mentioned y combinator which yc is very well known but you got to go well i don't know if you have to right now but at one point you had to go out to california for a little bit and, you know, like that's not possible for everybody. You know, it's not it's not uncommon for early stage founders to not have quit their day job yet and different stuff. And like the thing is, is if you're going to spend a bunch of time, energy, effort, emotion getting to that point and then they're going to say, hey, we want you to come here for X amount of time or this number of days. And if that's not a possibility for you or it won't be or you're not ready to make it one you're chasing the wrong opportunities. And, you know, like there are a million ways to spend your energy at your business every day. And in the early stage, it's vital that you're doing the things that are the most important for your enterprise. That could be anything for business development to getting you in. I know people that, that are, um, that are like, I'm not going to do accelerators. You say, why? They said, cause I'm going to be, I'm planning on moving a lot faster than it might. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause these are people that have maybe already done things before. They don't need that support or that education or the intros or something like that. Or maybe they just, I don't know. And you know, one of the things you mentioned that I think is important that, that, okay. Uh, if you, if they think you're a pain in the ass, you're not getting in. Like that was kind of what you were alluding to, uh, with the coachability and the other stuff. But, you know, I talked to a lot of people that are, it's, it's one thing to have, uh, have a clear vision about where you want to go. It's another thing to have no flexibility about how that vision is going to become a reality. And, you know, you talk about coachability and that's important because look, these people are investing their time in you. And if you're a pain in the butt, like, they, I mean, no one wants to sign up for that. Like, I mean, ain't no one got time for that is like really true in that regards. Um, I, I, because I'm enjoying talking about the things not to do as with your, uh, 
with, with at tech code and you're the head of incubation and the manager of direct and director of business development for an accelerator. So what are a few things that you've seen that'll pretty much equate to an instant no in the application process? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I mean, he, by the way, people, he's laughing because they're pro- these are laughable things. Like I mentioned, like your dot com, and you want me to email you at Yahoo. Like, yeah, just weird shit. Well, well, well. Back to the, um, you know, if you're not coachable, if you have an attitude, I mean, anyone that gives anyone attitude, if it's if it's an analyst or anyone, any of the deal screen, if there's an angry email going, hey, you know, you're taking too long. You know, let me talk to your manager or something like that. If someone tells me that the person's gone, or, or you know, before, before any, trust me, there, there was one time I'm not, let me talk to your manager. I want to talk to a manager about why my application isn't pretty. Wow. That's a good, I haven't heard that one yet, but wow. There, there was one guy that was literally like threatening going, you guys are too stupid to understand what I'm doing. I am going to, his market cap was bigger than China. It was on his, yeah, right. Our pitch deck, our, our market cap is bigger than apple it's bigger than china it's going to be the second large and we're like you know this is not the best time for your application please you know submit it again and and following but we're trying to be as polite as possible because we looked at another example is i see people they're like well we'll have 25 percent of market share and it's like five months into the timeline i'm like you're lucky if you're going to have an mvp by then like i know people have taken longer to make a fucking pitch deck like, let's just be realistic. Like, you're not going to have, tw- and if you did have 25% of the market after five months, it wasn't a very big market in the first place. Yeah. All right. What What are a couple other things? Because you, I, I can tell you've got them uh, right there on the tip of your tongue. Well, I mean, you've been to Silicon Valley. You know how small of an ecosystem this is. I mean, you're here less than a year. You, you somehow are one or two degrees separated from everyone. I mean, everyone knows everyone. Right. So if you're looking at a pitch deck and there's an advisor or someone on it that you're like, I just don't like this guy. You know, that company's got, cause you don't want to talk to that person ever again. You don't want to talk to, you know, if there's an entrepreneur that you knew from an earlier batch or that someone had worked with that told you, and he's on the, no, like the, the list can go on to, and on, but it's mostly personal. Ha, have you ever had a bad encounter with someone? Ha, have you know, what, did that guy to go to an event at your location and you caught him stealing pizza? Like the, it, the list can go on and on. It's ridiculous. But yeah, no. The, and that's the same. Also, the opposite for people that get, you know, passes for pretty much doing nothing because you're like, I really like that guy. I want to see him succeed. I want to help him out. You know, oh, hey, you help him out. He's a good guy. Oh, I like this guy. It's the exact same way. There's people that have that great personality that everyone tries to help and elevate. And there's other people that everyone's like, oh, dude, not another moment of my time. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, you're talking about likability. And, you know, it's I'm so I've been fascinated with that for years because likability is 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 a yes or no thing. You're and and the super likable persons like that, that man or woman that is just so likable. They could like tell you your kid's ugly and you thank them for the feedback. You're like, thanks for the feedback, man. I'll try to make a better looking kid next time. I, I'm just, ha- I thank you for saying something. You don't even know why you're doing it, but, but look, that's, that's, that's a real thing. And, you know, like sometimes there's a unlikable quality about it's a gruffness or an overseer, like, and it's just doesn't play well. And, and I think that's a self-awareness thing. And, you know, 
and 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 we're running out of time here so i'm going to get to get to our founders freestyle in a minute but i do want to let everyone know once again today's episode was brought to you by tesseract ventures and tesseract's brought silicon valley level innovation to the midwest enabling businesses just like yours to defy the boundaries of space and time through the next generation of technology and just go to tesseractventures.io you can learn more click the link in the show notes uh, we're really proud of what Tesseract's doing here in town. They're making real cool robotic stuff and and repping the Midwest. And, you know, like you mentioned an exodus from the Valley. It's happening, man. Like the rent's down for the first time in San Francisco in like 20 years. So, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. You know, the world has become very remote and it has, uh, and, and very connected. And I think that's cool. I think that is a good opportunity for founders everywhere. Now with that, we end our episodes, start up hustle with what we call the founders freestyle. We went through a few things. Now, if you want to learn more about Sean, look him up on LinkedIn and, you know, look at, look at what they do over at tech code and some, and some different stuff. But, um, it, with the founders freestyle, I want to give you a minute to, to just give the best advice you can to any founder or person that wants to find an incubator or accelerator. I mean, the best advice I'd have is to talk to alumni and get their feedback, their honest feedback from them, the support, what the real experience was, if they found it valuable and try to tap into that existing network. I mean, you don't even need to go to the accelerator in many situations. You know who the mentors are from online. You know who the players are. You know the investors if you go to the demo days and that. And just, you know, I don't want to say network, but, you know, go network the hell out of it. <laughs> Well, and we're not afraid to say the word network. We just didn't want to do it. Sean and I talked prior to this about not wanting to do another episode about networking um, because everyone understands the power of the network. And then, you know, but I mean, that is important. You know, listen to Sean's podcast. It's called the Silicon Valley podcast. Um, you can go to the Silicon, Silicon Valley podcast.com. There's links for all that in the show notes as well. Um, I, you know, the advice that I'm going to give anyone is look, get right to the point. Like no one wants to, I don't want to see your 60 page business plan as my first contact with you. Like, you know, like I want, like be short and sweet. There's a big stack of all this. No one's going to read all 60 pages of that. It may come up later. It's, I'm not saying don't have it ready, but at the same time, like make it get right to the point. Uh, assume that you're in a stack of a couple hundred and you want to stand out and maybe consider doing something a little bit different, like a pitch video. Like, and just something that is just a little more palatable and it's going to make you stand out. Don't be afraid to sell your big vision and don't be afraid to ask for what you want. You know, some of this is just a numbers game. Um, the more, the more lines you throw out in the sea, the more fish you're going to, you're likely to catch. So, you know, the, the thing that is, is guaranteed to probably not go that well, if you're like, well, I applied to three of them and I didn't get in. I know people that have applied to like 300 and got and so they could get into a couple and you know that's just it is what it is so uh, on a side note i'm trying to help sean not get evicted from his airbnb because we got late getting started so remember he's on his journey from the silicon valley to the silicon prairie so i, I want to let him get on it's a long drive bro and and when you get to western kansas you're going to hate our home state because it's about 400 miles of corn until you get to Kansas City. So I'm going to let you get started. I'll catch up with you next time. All right. Thank you, Matt. It was great to be a guest. Thank you. 
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.